Well, today we are going to be continuing our study in the doctrine of prayer. Um, and today we have arrived um, at uh, part six or lesson six of this series. And we're going to spend our time focusing on just one petition today. Give us this day our daily bread. But before we dive into that, I did want to give just a quick overview of what we have learned thus far. So the first thing is, what exactly is prayer? Well, we've covered this. And if you recall, I had mentioned how our confession between both the larger and shorter catechism provided a good definition of what prayer is. And when you combine both of those together, what you get is this definition, that prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ by the help of his spirit with confession of our sins and a thankful acknowledgement of his mercy. So that is what prayer is. Now, why we can be confident that our prayers, when we make those prayers to God, are effectual and can bring about change is because, if you recall, the four underlying presuppositions. One, that God actually exists. So when you're praying, you're not just praying into the ether. You're not just praying into the air. But there is a being who does exist that we are praying to. Not only that, but second presupposition is that our God is in control of all creation. Because he wouldn't do us much good if God existed, but yet he was not able to affect change. He was not in control of all creations. Otherwise, what would be the point of asking God to affect change if he could not? So we know in prayer that God is in control of all creation. Also, our God is approachable. He is not a distant God that we cannot communicate with, but we are able to communicate with him. Primarily because for us as Christians, we are in a covenantal relationship with him. Recall us being children of God. We've been adopted into the family of God. And as such, we have God as our father that we can communicate with regularly. So with that understanding, with those presuppositions in place, we know that when we pray to our God, we can have confidence that our prayers, one, will be heard, and if we pray according to his will, that our prayers will be efficacious. Now, there is a mindset that you have to have when it comes to prayer, and we've covered this, and again, I'll just briefly go through kind of how, what the type of mindset that you must have in order to pray, um, and there were 10 points that we looked at. The first was reverence. The second was humility. The third was thankfulness. The fourth being understanding. The fifth, focus. And then there must be trust. We must trust that the God whom we are praying to will, will answer our prayers. We must be sincere. We must be diligent. We must have persistence. We must be patient because not every request of ours will be answered immediately. And then finally, there must be a humble submission to as well. Thy will be done. Now, in looking at that, then we covered some of the parts of the Lord's Prayer. This is, you know, this is what brings us to kind of this last section that we have been covering over the last few weeks, which has been the Lord's Prayer, which, if you remember, when Jesus' disciples asks him, Lord, teach us how to pray, 
Well, what Jesus gives them is this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, which can be used as a prayer in and of itself, but I think is more rightly used as almost kind of like an outline to teach us how to pray. And within this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we have eight parts. We have the preface, our Father which art in heaven. We have six petitions, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The six petitions. And then we have the conclusion for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at just a few of those petitions. We looked at the preface, our Father which art in heaven, and what that meant. And then we studied the the first three petitions. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, of course, if you want kind of a detailed exposition of those petitions, I would you know, encourage you to look back at the previous lessons to really get the gist of what those petitions entailed. But as I mentioned today, what we're going to look at is that fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. And there's so much to to discuss and, and, and talk about. And I wanted to devote one lesson specifically for that so that our minds can be focused on this here. Also, too, because I realize that this is a lesson and not a sermon, so I have to keep things within a certain time frame. So had I added the fifth petition, it would not be, you know, under 20 minutes. So now that being said, are um, the divines in the shorter catechism in question 104 answers this question? What do we pray for in the fourth petition? And they write this. They say in the fourth petition, which is give us this day our daily bread. We pray that God's free gift, but but that of God's free gift, we may receive a competent portion of the good things of this life and enjoy his blessing with them. So there are just a couple of things that I I want to expound upon as it pertains to this petition here. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, the first is this. When we look at this petition, one of the things that I want to note is that we are invited by God to ask for those things that we need to sustain ourselves each and every day. When we make our prayers, after we make sure to acknowledge God and his priority and supremacy in our lives, that's what we see when we look at the first three petitions, we're allowed to come to God and ask for those things that we need and desire. Now, when we look at this petition, it can be tempting oftentimes to either see this petition as purely spiritual or purely material. Now, those who would argue that this petition is purely spiritual and has nothing to do with the physical, with our material needs, they would point, for example, to passages like in John chapter 6, where Jesus calls himself the bread of life and that we must feed on him. Or passages, for example, like Matthew 4, when Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness and Jesus says, clearly, man shall not live by bread alone. Now, those who would argue that this petition is purely physical and not spiritual will point to passages like Exodus 16, where God provides for actual manna in the wilderness. Or passages like John 6 and Matthew 15, where Jesus does feed thousands of people with bread and fish. Now, 
In looking at this petition, I believe that this petition involves both a spiritual and physical element with, I do think, an emphasis on the physical, on the material. Now, with me saying that, it is obviously clear that our ultimate focus has to be on things above and not on things below. As believers, we know that it doesn't matter if we have all the riches of the world. If we do not have Christ, we have nothing. So we cannot be like the world and set our hearts and minds on the things of this world. Jesus himself says in Matthew or excuse me, in Mark 8, verse 36, for what does it profit a man that he should gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You know, our, our pastor has gone to be with the Lord. He did an entire sermon series on the rich man and Lazarus. Who would we rather be? See, in this life, many people would be like the rich man. But we see how things ended up for him. And obviously, Lazarus was in a much better condition, who had nothing in this world, rather than the rich man who had everything in this world. And then we also have Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Now, with that said, understanding that our hearts, our minds has to be set on Christ, on the things above, if we have our hearts and minds focused on Christ, to ask him to provide for us materially is not wrong. Where it becomes a problem is if we have no desire for the spiritual and we just value the material. When you look at the scriptures, you know, what you find are a bunch of believers from all sorts of financial backgrounds. Yes, some believers who are very poor and then yet some who were very rich. Abraham was very rich. Solomon was very rich. John the Baptist, not so rich at all. So the Bible does not call one group primarily evil and one group primarily righteous. But however, in both instances, there can be a tendency towards sin. If you are rich, your riches can become your idol. They can be that which you are trusting in. If you are poor, the desire to have the, that wealth, to have those riches can be an idol. And I think you know, there's a proverb written by Agur in Proverbs 30, verse 7 through 9, that I love so much because in, 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 in an interesting way, it, it, it kind of reminds me of what we're looking at here in regards to this petition, give us this day our daily bread. Agur writes this in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. He says, Two things I ask of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. That kind of sounds like give me this day my daily bread. That I not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Which we see so often with those who are wealthy. They have so much wealth that next thing you know, they start to consider themselves God. And then he goes on to say, or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Then you have people on the other spectrum to where they're so poor, they feel as though they have no choice but to lie and to steal in order to survive. And he says, don't give me either one. Give me enough for the day. So we can't allow for the things of this world to become an idol to us, wherein our joy and happiness are attached to them. 
However, so long as we are in this world, we will need certain material things in order to make it from day to day. We're going to need food. We're going to need a place to rest our head. We're going to need clothes. So, see, when we're making this petition, we are asking for God to provide for those things we're going to need each and every day to sustain ourselves. Or, you know, as the confession puts it, a competent portion of the good things in this life. So that's the first point that I want us to to understand is, is that point. The second, and this is so important, is we ask God daily to give us this day our daily bread to remind us whether you're rich or whether you're poor, we are dependent upon God. What I love about this petition here, Jesus doesn't say, give us this day our weekly bread or give us this day our monthly bread or our annual bread. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And see, the reason why that is, is that we need to be reminded that we need God and his provision each and every day. And I do think in our day and age, it's very, very easy to forget that. Because many of us have provisions to sustain us for more than a day. I mean, I can tell you, as a financial advisor, one of the things I always recommend to my clients is that they need to have three to six months of their expenses put away in the bank just in case of an emergency. Well, 36 months of expenses is way more than a day's worth of expenses. So the vast majority of us, while they may not have three to six months of savings, are not living day to day. However, while we are very blessed from that standpoint, the fact still remains that we need for God to provide for us daily. Life happens. And you know what? Sometimes there can be events that take place that can take our riches away. And I mean, listen, in God's providence, what took place this past week? We had Hurricane Ian that came across our state of Florida, and ravaged the homes of many people, caused a lot of us to lose power for some time. And unfortunately, many people would have lost their homes, lost their lives as a result of this. And I remember as I was preparing this lesson here, I was just sitting in my bedroom, just looking out the window and seeing like the wind and the rain and all of that. And, you know, the thought just came to me. Now, granted, I'm not going to sit here and act as we were the most prepared for, you know, for this hurricane. Like we didn't have our windows boarded up. That's why I can see outside the window and see the rain or whatnot. But, you know, I was thinking, I was like, man, all the food that we got, like, you know, the, the roof that can sustain like hurricane force winds. I was like, you know, if God, you know, decided to just have a tornado just form and just come through our house, like, Literally, there's nothing that I could do at that point in time to protect my home, my family from, you know, from that disaster. No amount of savings I would have had, no amount of sandbags I would have had would have protected me. I was literally at the mercy of God. And just thinking about that just humbled me for the fact that, like, I need God. It doesn't matter how rich I am, how, you know, how much you know, things I could do to protect myself, my family. I need God. And sadly, for most people, it takes 
calamity and it takes things like a near category five hurricane for them to realize that they are dependent on God. It doesn't matter how, you know, how much you have. But one thing that we can't forget, it doesn't matter whether you are dealing with a literal storm or a spiritual storm, so to speak, or you're living in times of quietness. It doesn't matter. You need God. So we pray daily to God for our daily bread as a reminder that whether or not you have it at all or you have nothing, you still need God. I mean, think about it. Just looking at the scriptures, Job was a man of great wealth, was a man of great prosperity. But yet in an instant, he literally lost it all. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. He even lost his health in an instant. All he had was God at that point in time. Who did sustain him? John Calvin, commenting on this section here, he writes this, and I love what he says. He says, how great soever our abundance may be, however well-filled our cellars and granaries, we must still always ask for daily bread, for we must feel assured that all substance is nothing unless insofar as the Lord, by pouring out his blessing, make it fruitful during its whole process. For even that which is in our hand is not ours, except insofar as he every hour portions it out and permits us to use it. So whether you have a, you know, a, a, a storehouse full of riches or whether or not, you are dependent upon God and you ask God, give me this day what I need for today. So we are reminded of that when we look at this prayer and when we see that term daily. And the last point that I want to highlight as it pertains to this petition is more so an implication of what this petition asks. Give us this day our daily bread. And that implication is contentment. We need to be content with the bread that God chooses to give us. Which is why the previous petition, thy will be done, is so important. See, the daily bread that God provides for us may not be the type of bread that we might want. It will be the type of bread that we need, but it may not be the type of bread that is our preference. But see, if you do not have contentment, then you will not be thankful for what God chooses to give you. Take the Israelites in the wilderness. There was no food. God miraculously provides them with bread from heaven, manna. But then they complain. They say, you know, when we were enslaved, you know, we had grapes, we had all these different foods, but now we're free and all we have is just this bread that's just coming down from heaven. They weren't content. They grumbled. And see, we, we look at that and we, you know, we chuckle at Israel for being discontent with what God miraculously were giving to them, but look at your own selves. How many of us Complain about the bread that God chooses to give us. 
We ask for God to provide for us, to give us our daily bread. And then when he does, we say, well, not like that, Lord. See, I was kind of thinking that you may provide for me in this way. We can't just be thankful for the type of bread that God chooses to give us. See, and when you are not content with the bread that God chooses to give you, then you will completely miss out on the blessings that are being provided. You know, there is a passage in Scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, that I think really highlights this. And I'll read it. Solomon writes this. He says, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is prevalent among men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor so that his soul lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet, God has not empowered him to eat from it. For a foreigner enjoys them. This is vanity and a severe affliction. So in this passage, God has given this man everything that he could have desired, except the ability to enjoy it. This man was not content. He had it all, but he wasn't happy. And as a result, instead of him enjoying the blessings that God has given him, other people enjoy the blessings. How many of us are like that? We're not content. We're not satisfied with the food, with the bread, with whatever blessings God chooses to give us. And as a result, we don't even get to enjoy that which God gives us. Johannes Voss, he, he, he writes this, um, he has a commentary on the larger catechism, and he says this here, he says, if we do not have contentment, we cannot really enjoy and appreciate the blessings of God. The lack of a spirit of contentment will turn all blessings into temptations or curses. So when asking God, for your daily bread. Make sure that you have a content and thankful heart so that when God provides for you, you don't complain and grumble. See, God may not provide what you prefer, but he's always going to give you what you need. So when bringing all of this to a close, you know, when we look at this petition, give us this day our daily bread. Remember that it is okay to ask for God for those things that you need in life. However, don't make those things your idol. Always seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And don't forget, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, you need God daily. God can bless you with abundance, and he could subsequently, if he chooses, take it away from you. So don't let your abundance make you forget that you need him daily. And don't let your lack of abundance make you think that it's okay for you to cut corners or to lie in order to receive. Always be content above all things. Be content with what God chooses to give you. Your needs will be provided for you by your heavenly father. This is what Jesus promises us in Matthew chapter 6. It may not be in the manner that you prefer, but it will be in the manner that he deems fit for you. So be content and be thankful because Regardless of whether it's your preference, it is still your daily bread. So praise God for what he has chosen to give, in, to give to you. This concludes our lesson for today. 
next Lord's Day, Lord willing, we'll continue and maybe finish up the series, or if not, then it'll be the second to last lesson in, in the series. But with that being said, 